0: Good morning, and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series where we interview firm executives and thought leaders, as well as third-party industry luminaries and experts on important global business trends, topics, and leading practices. My name is Stan Lepique, and I lead global research for KPMG's Management Consulting Services Group. I'm pleased to have with us here today Constance Hunter. Constance is a principal in the U.S. firm, and also is the firm's chief economist. So, Constance, thanks for joining us here today on this edition of Advice Worth Keeping.
1: Sam, happy to be here.
0: So I think you can provide a bit of a unique perspective for our listeners as far as what do we see collectively and what do you see personally as some of the top trends for 2018 We've been talking to some of your peers, some other firm executives, and got some great insights. We have some research we're doing that's in the field right now. But I think given your role and your background, you could provide a bit of a differentiated perspective on what's going on. So maybe to start out, what do you see as some of the top positive trends in the marketplace next year relative to typical KPMG clients?
1: Just going through what the top three were last year, maturation of and greater access to innovative technologies, expanding emerging market opportunities, and improving customer demand. I would think improving customer demand is something that's going to continue this year because the world economy is growing at a much faster pace. At this time last year, if we look at a measure called the PMI index and look at all the countries that have a PMI index, only 71% of reporting countries were experiencing growth. And now at this point in the year in 2017, 86% of reporting countries are experiencing growth. And that's going to help not just develop market demand, but emerging market demand as well. So I think improving customer demand is the theme that we're going to continue to see this year A second one I would put is a positive impact from intelligent automation and digital labor. We are at a tipping point where we are about to see some productivity gains. In fact, in the most recent reading of U.S. GDP, uh, productivity went up to 1.5% from an average of about 0.8% for the last several years. I think it's possible we're at a tipping point where we see greater productivity going forward.
0: Okay, well, good. That's good to hear. So what do you see as some of the challenges or the headwinds or some of the negative trends in the marketplace that might push back against the positive trends you just articulated or just might be challenges in general for organizations?
1: Again, just reviewing last year, the top three were talent shortages, talent management, weak global and regional economies, and then trade protectionism, deglobalization, up significantly year over year. So we don't have the weak global and regional economies issue anymore, as we just discussed. Talent shortages and talent management challenges, I think, still remain the number one issue. We are further along in the recovery in the U.S. There's still some room to move in Europe and Japan. But if we look around the world, growth has been moving along for several years. And so in many, many economies, there's starting to be talent shortages. This is something, I think, that has the potential to hold back growth this year. If we don't see a big surge in productivity or if the productivity surges or labor-saving technology come in different areas of the economy where we don't have labor shortages. Interestingly enough, one of the things we've seen in the data, and we see it across the entire OECD universe, so the entire developed economy universe, is that there is a hollowing out of middle-income, middle-skill jobs, and a lot of that is due to technological innovation. It's happening on the manufacturing side, and it's happening increasingly on the services side, and this is having an, an interesting and disruptive impact on most developed economies.
0: So then in light of all of that, what do you see as some of the top initiatives firms are undertaking? 2018 and beyond. Is it really about process automation, about addressing talent and skills shortages? Are there other things that either are on the agenda or should be? So how do, how do organizations, I guess, achieve some of the goals that they have relative to the positive trends you cited, but also address the challenges and the negative trends that are out there?
1: Interestingly, this is a question that we ask on our CEO survey, and we do an entire section on asking how firms deal with labor shortages. One of the most common answers is with training their people. So we see a lot of firms taking on that role of doing continuing education for their for their people so that they have the skills to be able to really work alongside some of the technology and really have it enable greater productivity within their organizations. And then sometimes people are looking overseas for talent. There's casting a wider net in terms of where they're getting their talent. And then, of course, in many cases, they're just paying up for more talent. So in terms of talent shortages those are some of the tools that these are using in terms of We're seeing a hollowing out of middle-income, middle-skilled jobs. This is something companies are trying to do something about, but it's really something that governments have to step in and do something about retraining and really encouraging people to take the retraining. So there's a lot of data that suggests in the United States that people are offered retraining, but they don't often take it. And that's either because it's not enough money to combine both retraining and income. And then another reason is that I think there's just a stigma about people retraining. But it is really something that other countries do a better job of and countries that do that well are going to do better economically, especially in light of how much technological change we are facing now and going to be facing over the next decade.
0: It sounds like you're optimistic that with increased training and perhaps better training, that there was a possibility to upskill or reskill workers, and it's it's not a situation of there's just a large class of workers that just really are passive crime relative to what the economy needs. You're optimistic that that type of training can work if it's done the right way?
1: It can work for most people, it's not going to work for everybody and the reality is historically whenever there's been significant technological disruption, there's been a period of time where some people do get left behind. But there's been a second phenomenon that over time overtakes the negative phenomenon and that is that it's really any significant technology that becomes a general purpose technology like we expect intelligent automation to become begins to raise productivity and that increased productivity makes the whole economy wealthier. People begin to demand goods and services that were unimaginable and that demand creates new jobs that we can't predict or foresee in the present moment but that have always come along. history is our guide and if history maybe doesn't repeat but rhymes, then we would expect to see something similar to that over the next decade or two. But that doesn't mean that the transition period isn't going to be difficult for some people.
0: So then you fit upon some challenges in the marketplace for organizations, particularly talent. You fit upon some enablers, such as the growth in the adoption of automation technology.
1: The general pace of growth in the global economy, that's a good tailwind to have.
0: Okay. Are there other things organizations should be looking at in terms of enabling the success of their strategy? So certainly talent a key issue, and you fit upon that, know, training and retraining is important. Are there other things you see organizations either are looking at or should be looking at to drive their success?
1: These really need to
0: think about how to innovate.
1: And a lot of times innovation means making your existing product obsolete, out-innovating yourself, and not being afraid to create something that might destroy one of your existing businesses because it's a better mousetrap. And that's something that legacy firms historically have difficulty doing. It's why startups will come along and take away business from legacy firms. But legacy firms are going to need to start focusing on that more and more in order to survive.
0: Maybe to wrap up, looking forward over the next couple of years, is it really going to be about the need for legacy firms to rethink their strategy? I mean, we've been talking about this for a long time, the right time to do cannibalization and things like that. Or are we at some sort of inflection point where firms that have grown up in a high-tech era are really going to continue to be dominant going forward as they are today? Or is there hope for legacy firms, just as you've articulated, there is hope for most legacy workers?
1: Again, that hope depends upon whether or not you're willing to take the actions to realize change. If you're going to be stagnant, you're not going to be willing to out-innovate yourself, then I'm not very optimistic about a particular organization. But an organization that embraces innovation, an organization that is willing to out-innovate themselves is going to continue to do well. And in terms of a tipping point, this has been going on for a while. The OECD just did some research about frontier firms versus laggards. And if you look at the top 5% of firms in terms of productivity versus the remaining 95 percent, and you break it out between both manufacturing firms and services firms. There is a huge gap between the top 5 percent and the bottom 95 percent. It's so huge that if you look at an index from 2000 in manufacturing, the top 5 percent of firms are. more productive than they were in 2000, where the bottom 95 are only 8% more productive. If you look at services firms, they are 45% more productive of the top 5%, whereas the bottom 95% are only 5% more productive. So this gap between frontier firms and laggards has been in place for a long time. And I think we're at a tipping point where the laggards really need to figure out how to catch up.
0: Okay, well, that's a great point to end on, and I think you've articulated very well some of the challenges organizations have, but also some of the opportunities. Thank you very much for your time today, for your insights into what we'll be seeing in the next year or two, and we'll have to get you back again, maybe to drill into a few more of the details, particularly around some of the strategies of improving productivity. Fantastic, Stan. Thank you so much. And you can find the links to the items you referenced in the show today below the podcast. If you're online, of course, the URL for that is kpmg.com slash U S slash podcast. That's a wrap. Thanks for your participation.